Welcome to the Vita Voices Power to Empower podcast series, where we're speaking with women leaders from around the world about their bold ideas, their courageous leadership, and their thoughts on the way forward. I'm your host, Elise Nelson. Our guest today, Sage K. Alohilani. K. Amno dreams of a world where women of color are leading at the highest levels of every industry. Her drive and enthusiasm to fight for pay equity and push for women's leadership, especially for women of color, makes her an unstoppable force in the fight for meaningful representation and equality. As the co-founder of Future for Us, a platform dedicated to advancing women of color in the workplace through community, culture, and career development, Sage is not only passionate about pay equity and an advocate for that, but also thriving community architect and diversity, equity, and inclusion champion, but also a selfless example of someone who truly uses her power to empower. Sage, thank you so much for joining us today. Amazing. Mahalo. Thank you so much for having me. And I know you're, you're joining us uh, from your home in Hawaii. Um, I wish I was there with you as well. It, it sounds just absolutely lovely. Lovely. There is something about Hawaii that puts you in that um, uh, aloha spirit. So it's it, we're getting a little bit of that, you know, through through the uh, through the wires here. As they were. <laughs> um, but I, I'd love for you to just start off by um, walking us through your your career journey and what motivated you to start Future for Us. Yeah, thank you so much for the wonderful introduction. Um, aloha, everyone on this podcast. Um, yeah, I can walk you through my career. I'm a born and raised proud Native Hawaiian woman, uh, a born out of right, uh, right out of here in Hawaii. Uh, and, you know, for myself, always has been uh, really career focused, but also focused on how can we create equity. Equity has always been in my blood. It's been in my blood since um, my great grandmother, who was working in the pineapple cannery and actually advocated for herself and um, was able to uh, go from 10 cents an hour at her canning pineapples to about 15 cents an hour. Um, so could you imagine back in the day working at Dole Cannery and my great grandma, who was a Chinese immigrant, um, you know, was able to advocate for herself, uh, but also on behalf of her other co-workers and colleagues at the cannery. And so that is, has been instilled in my blood for about three generations within my grandmother and my mother and now me. Uh, and, you know, just a young um, woman of color who really um, excelled throughout my, my you know, in, in, in terms of my education and my career, but also I got a job opportunity at a uh, big tough tech company in Amazon after I graduated. So anyone can assume which tech company out of Seattle that could be. Um, but it was a great opportunity. I think most postgrads, um, you know, we are looking for a larger innovative company to really uh, boost our career forward. And so that's the jump start of my career is that I first worked um, at, a day, uh, at a large tech company. Uh, and for me, it was a huge transition is that I've recognized at that moment that we are women of color faced um, sector-based isolation, but also social-based isolation in these in these metro major metropolitan cities. And so as somebody who's a recent postgrad, uh, we, we were overworked, underpaid. Uh, my first interaction with a colleague at my at my job, at my first job, was that he approached me, my male colleague approached me um, and asked me what I was. He said I was he was curious to see what what I was. And I was really taken aback by that question. Like, what what am I? Like, what does that mean? 
Um, and so being, you know, being othered, I think the first day of your work already facing number one, wow. you know, um, a culture shock, you know, being in a large city coming from an island, you know, I'm an island girl. Um, it's a pretty diverse uh, state here in Hawaii and coming into the tech company, I mean, tech company where, you know, your first interaction with a colleague is asking, you know, who, you know, what are you? Um, it was a bit jarring for me. And it kind of fed into my insecurities of like, you know, am I, am I good enough to be here? Um, no one looks like me. And is anyone actually taking um, what, taking my suggestions and valuing me and what I bring to the table. And so uh, that kind of set me off into really trying to figure out what environment, what workplace environment really truly is investing in me as a up and coming leader uh, and as a young leader. And so uh, unfortunately, I worked for that company for about a year and a half uh, and decided to move from the big tech tech uh, corporate world into startups because I really wanted to own my own projects, um, you know, wear many different hats. And I also discovered through the tech startup industry, it's a, it's still very toxic bro culture. Uh, and I've always been enamored by technology because as a kid who was raised, you know, I was born in 1991 and raised in the 90s, you know, that was when the tech boom happened when um, the internet started to really pick up, at, you know, apps, you know, I really was a part of that generation. And so we knew it, I was impacted by tech technology. And so I really want to work for companies who were innovating in tech, in tech. But also we understand that it was controlled by um, a lot of toxic um, male leaders. And so I moved from, from doing that. Uh, and this is around the time the 2016 election happened. And I think we all, um, we all knew, you know, what the impacts of that was, you know, I think there's, there's some historical, um, there's a lot of historical significance around that particular election and has moved me to really put my skill set and my time and my talent towards moving women forward. Because I decided when that election happened and we saw who won, I know how it's impacted me in my own career within the workplace. I knew that I needed to start to take some action and actually dedicate my life towards moving women forward because this this is not okay you know this is showing that someone could take office at the highest level of office um with the rap sheet and you know the behaviors that that person has done to many women in the past i knew that i needed to somehow push us forward as leaders so we don't we wouldn't have that um you know occurrence again or make sure that we you know we're fighting back and we're showing that women can lead and we're not gonna create leaders like that anymore. And so decided to work for um, a phenomenal national women's organization focused on pay equity, which is Ladies Get Paid. Uh, traveled across the, the US teaching salary negotiation classes, um, spoken to over 5,000 women, but also helped, helped a total increase of like over a million dollars in salary increases for women. And so that truly has moved me to recognizing how much of a gap that is occurring for women in terms of their pay. And you really go down to the numbers. Uh, and so that really got me into, um, you know, showing me the inequities, um, not only in the workplace, but how women are treated in the workplace, but also for, through pay. Uh, and just being completely frustrated uh, and also empathizing women across the country, hearing their stories and how much trauma it really brings up. You know, money is is how we see value. Right. And it really impacts us financially and compounds as we 
um, move forward with our careers. I believe the stat is that for Black women, um, they lose about a million dollars within a four, 45 year career um, because of the of pay, uh, pay inequity. And so those numbers to me is still jarring. And I do not want to see any anyone else like myself, a woman of color um, and women in general um, have to take on the financial um, repercussions of that because of sexism and racism. And so uh, that was my career is that I worked at a big tech company, moved into startups. The workplace environment showed me how inequitable it was for me. Um, and then moving into women's organizations, um, but also really being frustrated at women's organizations because, um, you know, there wasn't really a particular focus on women of color um, because we are the most marginalized and more in particular, black, black women. And so how are we addressing those issues? How are we providing specific resources to help women of color and especially black women in, in their careers to move them forward? Because I mean, the numbers are just drastically um, smaller and smaller for, for us in terms of rising into leadership and how we're supported within the workplace. So that's what really drove me to start Future For Us. Mm. And I think your work is more important now than ever, as we've seen with the most recent uh, release of the World Economic Forum's gender gap report. They say that they estimate that it's going to now take 36 additional years before women gain equality with men. So we've lost a generation, right? We are back mm -hmm. to the 1980s in terms of progress. It will take 135 and a half years for women to be equal to men. And, you know, you think about that, you think about, obviously, how fragile these issues are, if we can, with one pandemic in one year, move back so drastically, right, lose the progress we've made. And so these fights for equality in the workplace for equal pay are so critically important, because as you say, it's, you know, it's all cumulative, um, you know, over time. And, you know, I think about, you know, companies like Salesforce, for example, and Mark Benioff, when approached by a number of his employees and senior leadership about how they ought to do and, you know, they ought to really look into pay equity um, and mm -hmm. do a real survey and study. He said, well, wait a minute. No, I'm sure we don't have a problem here, right? But yes, <laughs> let's do it, right? And then sure enough, a huge glaring problem. And then, of course, they, you know, a little, a little further down the road, they decide we need to do this across the organization, not just for women's pay equity, but looking across at, you know, people of color in the organization. Is there a pay equity issue there? And of course, there was. And one thing that I think people underestimate is that because of bias, all of us have it, it continues to emerge. And so, for example, with Salesforce, even though they had, you know, got every, you know, they'd right-sized everybody, they got, they had a plan, they got everybody on track. But even after doing that a few years down the road, they had to do it again. And the message there is that it's, you know, it's not something that's like one and done. It's something that really does take that long-term commitment, um, you know, because the bias does exist in, in, in hiring and promotions and particularly coming off a year like this, where women have had to certainly exit the workforce, but also have had to pass up promotions or, you know, haven't been thought of as someone that, you know, people that their managers maybe wanted to invest in because they, you know, knew that they were, you know, trying to juggle, you know, 
taking care of their kids, being the teacher at home with the homeschooling um, or being the mm-hmm. caretaker. And mm-hmm. so we are certainly in a, in, a, in a difficult spot. But I think at the same time, what I think, you know, hopefully a, a wave that you will ride on is the fact that people are paying attention, right? You know, for really, I think the first time people are really recognizing that paying women less is actually hurting all of us. So can you talk a little bit about how you have taken on this initiative? I mean, you've just, it's, it's so massive. It exists everywhere. How you've <laughs> really taken it on and, and what some of the plans are that you have. Definitely. Um, I did not think of this um, as a small feat. You know, when I started this, I was 27. Um, and, I, and frankly, the reason why I started Future for Us, because I was, you know, I was pissed off. Um, I was truly angry because as somebody who is as smart and intelligent, ambitious, and as a born, just a born leader myself, and I'm not saying that, I mean, I'm saying this with humility is that, you know, why am I not being taken seriously? Why am I not, why am I not successful at work? You know, thinking that, you know, do I have imposter syndrome? Is this me? Right. And then I'm under, you know, slowly as I started to move forward with my career is that it's a systematic, um, there's systematic barriers and biases that are preventing me to actually move forward with my career. And so, um, and then seeing mediocre leadership, not taking this seriously or not investing in it. Um, and so for me, I, I, I was just really frustrated with seeing leaders um, who truly were not taking accountability, who aren't transparent and who are not gonna be bold, right? Like, you know, it's, it, to me, it was, it was frustrating to see my, you know, not, not only did it affect myself, but also my colleagues who are like, you know, I, I think I'm an excellent employee, but when I see my other, um, especially women of color, like female employees or women of color employee, I mean, I'm not colleagues, I mean, um, they are t- tackling and taking on so much at, in the workplace, um, taking on additional tasks, taking on additional leadership, and yet still not achieving the title and the pay that they deserve. And so that's why I started to, um, to, to start future for us is because if not me, then who, like, if not now, then when, um, and, and for somebody who's such a futurist and I'm thinking about my kids, I'm thinking about my kids, kids, I know at 27, it's just like, there, there needs to be something that something needs to happen. And so, um, as somebody who, um, you know, is bold and also a, <laughs> a little naive as well, right. It's great to be young. <laughs> it's great to be young to do these things because, you, you don't, you don't really quite know the, the responsibility when you actually take it on. But, um, you know, I, I just, I kickstarted it, you know, my, my former business partner and I, you know, we're both experienced, um, you know, frustrations within our careers. And so we decided to team up and uh, create future for us. Um, I have, you know, I'm a first time entrepreneur. I am, I do not come from wealth. I come from a working class family. Um, I did not have any initial investment starting off. Um, but I had connections, you know, um, I think the truly the, the, um, the superpower that women of color have is being a magnetic force within our community who really attract and influence, um, a lot of great talent and a lot of resources. We are very resourceful people. We know how to work with nothing. We know how to work when you're, you're, um, when resources are tight and your, your, your back is against the wall. Uh, this is a trauma response. <laughs> I think a lot of us, this is a trauma response and this is our fight or flight mode because we 
we're used to this, right? And so we, it's, it's unfortunately natural for us to really be resourceful. And so um, how we, you know, how I really got started is that I really tapped into my network. I used to work for a, another com- organization called the Female Founders Alliance. I knew, I used to build accelerator programs for entrepreneurs. So I really learned from the ground up how to pitch to investors, how to create a pitch deck, how to um, create a business plan. How do you do branding, marketing, PR, uh, financing, uh, and also I tapped into media, you know, at that time. So throughout my career failures at every single job, I took something out of it, whether it's um, connections, resources, um, uh, what, you know, what my strengths were, where my weaknesses, where my, my skills gaps were. And it was able to, to use that towards building future for us. And so truly within a month, the month of December 2018, every day and probably the worst time <laughs> probably the worst time to uh start a company build a brand and also um and network and try to raise some money to get get it started and so within the month of december of 2018 um i was able to build a brand build a website um, collect invest uh initial investments build out strategic partnerships within the community um really tap into the corporate uh, network as well, you know, really outsourcing to the head of DNI, you know, DNI professionals and leaders within larger companies, but also, you know, corporate social responsibility folks, um, also recruiters and asking them, you know, what, you know, how can we help you? Where is the gap in finding uh, women of color um, leaders that you're trying to hire? And so I, collect, I collected all this data. I was building the platform as we, we were speaking, and we also raise a little initial money and we launched in January of 2019 and it was a we hosted a, a, a large launch party right in Seattle Washington over 300 plus folks probably the most diverse room you've ever seen in Seattle Washington <laughs> and um and it was it was fabulous and we were able to build community there but truly the reason why we were so successful early on is because we had the backing of our strategic partners who are a mix of corporate leaders, uh, community leaders, and advocates, DNI professionals, and they truly came together to support Future for Us and launch um, the platform for what it is and really amplify our career development uh, work, but also our content and you know um, how we are building and getting more women of color jobs. And so that's how we first got started. And as a founder, you know, um, I am just truly grateful uh, to have that over this overwhelming of support because we know how much is needed, um, but also what the a desire is for women of color, you know, for themselves, but also that c- the community at large is that we are so invested in, in each other's success. And that's what makes us successful. And so uh, for any founder out there is that you don't need to be a technical founder. You need, you don't need to go to business school. You just need to have the desire, the ambition, the drive to no matter what, believe in yourself, but also figure out and know that you're going to, you're going to solve the problem. You're solving problems all day. And so um, that's, that's how we got started. And that's kind of my tips and how we, how Future for Us was founded uh, about two years ago. Wow. So of course you're one year in and then the pandemic hits and certainly it is hitting women of color and communities of color at, at a, at a, more significant um, rate. What goes through your head initially? How did you pivot? Because I think, you know, I think what impressed me and all of us at Vital Voice is so much about you is that you were just, okay, 
you know, as you said, problem solver. Okay, you're throwing this at me, I'm going this way. But that's hard when you're just getting an organization going. Um, mm -hmm. So how did you do that? <laughs> how did we do that? Yeah, um, for us is that, you know, what I loved about Future for Us and our leadership is that we, we just tackle on challenges. And as a startup founder, it's unfortunate to say, but like a like, you know a pandemic, we're like, all right, <laughs> this is start startup world. You're already you know you're already stacked up with challenges. This is nothing. This is nothing you know um, new to us. But yes, I mean it's a big scale and it truly um, affect impacted us. You know our Q1 of 2020, we lost 40 percent of our expected revenue. Uh, we were on track to have a large scale conference right in Seattle, Washington. We were going to double our numbers to. I believe we're going to have about 800 attendees, um, you know, uh, uh, come to our conference last year, the, the year before it was um, about three to 400. So we were doubling our conference numbers. We were on track. Um, we are, we were a, an experienced in-person based company and we did really well. I mean, we were, uh, we were doing well in our first year. And so when 2020 came, came around um, losing 40% of your expected revenue, um, I did not take, oh, neither my, uh, uh, my former co-founder and I took salaries the first year. Um, and I finally crowdfunded um, money to have my salary in 2020. Uh, that was gone. Um, we had large, you know, we had, uh, you know, not a significant uh, operational cost per month, you know, but as any small business or startup, you have some operational costs. We took on, um, you know, we took on um, an employee. And so uh, when the pandemic happened, it was a big shock. Uh, we had to cancel a lot of things, but we had to rework. And what happened is that I had to fly back home to Hawaii because I need to be with my family. That's very important. That's priority number one. And so being in the space back here with my family being truly supported, I said, let's go. I, I, to be frank on this, I said, screw it. Like, let's make it happen and let's pivot. So we pivot everything to virtual. Um, and that time, I mean, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm 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 great at tech, but I'm not like a technical founder. I do not have a software engineering background. I'm not a data scientist. Um, uh, I know technology platforms, um, but I, I I'm not a, I'm not a magician with it, right? Um, and so we took it on because I said we could not, you know, people on um, women of color professionals were looking forward to it. They heard about the hype from last year. And we cannot disappoint our community. Hell or high water, we were gonna put this conference on because we I knew when this pandemic hit and they made that announcement that I knew that women of color were gonna be the big the most impacted. Of course, communities of color are gonna be the most impacted. If, if all we already in society without a pandemic are the worst off, I mean, add on to a pandemic, we know that women of color and communities of color are gonna be the most impacted. And so I knew this is gonna be. Um, needed and necessary to keep us together as a community as we experience something for the first time in a while. Uh, and so I just got on the computer, we um, turned everything virtually. I got really good with uh, Zoom, uh, took a lot of Zoom classes, uh, tapped into my network of phenomenal women who are in tech and they really uh, walked me through the technology platforms, multiple technology platforms. I attended every single virtual event that I could imagine to see, you know, what brands are doing, what, how are they doing it, and how can we create this, you know, with, uh, you know, we're thinking about accessibility. How do we think about this in an in, in, in a DNI and a diversity equity inclusion lens, right? Because we understand that 
technology is not only is not accessible to everyone, right? And that presents another set of problems and challenges. But problems and challenges that we're willing to do because that's how how dedicated we are to our community. And so that's that's how we pivoted. We 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 moved everything to virtual hosted uh, weekly virtual events because the community, uh, we did like a survey they, they wanted and needed that. We had over 600 women of color, a part of our first virtual conference for six hours straight, at least. I'm telling you, it was amazing. Wow. And some of the, wow. some of the Vita Voices team members were there. Um, and to witness, you know, to witness women of color from across the world, like not just the United States, we had women from Africa, from London, Asia, um, to tune in for six hours straight. <laughs> like who does that? No one stays online for six hours um, and want to, right? To truly engage, right? They were truly engaged. Um, and to see the chat go to go off and women were already networking, creating spreadsheets to, to um, keep in contact and share resources with one another. And so um, that that pivot really helped us solidify our leadership. Um, it also showed us, you know, showed our community how dedicated we were. Um, it really expanded our network and it also we gained new community members. And we truly impacted those women um, who for the first time who couldn't come to Seattle, right? Because we were a very Seattle-based company. We, it, it truly helped us expand nationally and also globally, uh, and and it made us a national brand. So at that time, the pivot was was something that was necessary, needed, uh, and we impacted thousands of women who um, were able to gain a new community, uh, get new jobs. You know, they were able to get hired at you know at different new jobs, um, and also create and share resources and, at that time and. To see other women of color leaders uh, be uh, to be promoted, and you see them at the time. I mean, it, we did this in May in 2020, and uh, that was a great time for us. And so that's how we pivoted. We made it happen. I did it out of my childhood bedroom in Honolulu, Hawaii. <laughs> All of Future for Us headquarters was moved. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I, as any startup founder, just how you know, um, a lot of you know, like Bill Gates is out of his garage, right? You do you do what you have to do in in the resources that you have. So that was the pivot, and every single small business owner and startup was frustrated by the federal government in terms of how are they supporting us? How are they supporting the small businesses? And because of the lack of um, communication the lack of communication between the government and the banks and like, what is a, well, you know, what's the pay, you know, the, what's a PPV loan? Like what you're just confused. Um, and as a small business owner who was truly impacted, um, I wrote a blog, you know, I wrote a blog about the frustrations being a one of color founder that already when we start our company, we do not have an uncle with a $50,000 check. You know, we don't have, um, you know, we don't have those initial initial resources. And so I wrote this, um, really personal, um, vulnerable piece about what it looks like for someone um, like myself and other women of color founders who had to really work, uh, I would say, five times harder to, to just get the company going. And then also the gap for women of color entrepreneurs in terms of investing and also resources. Um, and at that time, nobody was writing, you know, nobody was listing out like, okay, these are the grants. Here's how you apply. These are the due dates you know, like where are the funding resources? So I created a list 
um, of funding resources that I included into my blog. Um, and that really attracted a lot of folks to, um, yeah, to support Future for Us is because through my anger and frustration, but so also my vulnerability of like, how am, am I going to shut down? You know, am I going to shut down within a month because, you know, we lost so much money. Um, and through that vulnerability um, and me writing a blog at 2 a.m. in the morning in Hawaii, <laughs> uh, but also creating other funding resources for other founders like myself to tap into because I didn't think of it as a competition. I said, hey, let's all apply. Let's see who makes, you know, who can like, you know, get the, you know, get this money, right? Get this funding opportunities. Um, and like, let's thrive as a community. We need to start coming together. All female founders need to come together as a community and really share these resources so that we all can survive. Um, and that's the power of community and, um, and the power of vulnerability as a leader. And so that's how we pivoted. And that's how I um, really um, told my story for the first time as a founder, because I think a lot of us, a lot of us think as a CEO or founder, you have to really promote this really glamorized life and um, of all knowing, you know, like, oh, I'm an industry leader. I'm a whatever, you know, and I got really honor, honest and vulnerable about the current status of where we were at with future for us, but also, um, you know, add statistics, like statistics to why it's such a, it's, it's, it's a struggle sometimes to, to do something like this and take a big risk. But anyways, that's a long winded answer, but that's how we pivoted. And, um, and, you know, we were very, very lucky to have survived that. Oh, Sage, what an incredible story. Um, and certainly a story of like grit and resilience, um, which I love. You know, I think one of the things that worries me, and I'm sure it worries you as well, is that the women who don't have the uncle who's writing the $50,000 check to help them start their business are worried about starting a business because they've seen, you know, they might have, you know, we were talking about, you know, sort of the things we do in our youth because we don't know any better. And in many ways, that's the great spirit, you know, of an entrepreneur. You're not thinking about the, you know, the 3,000 ways in which this could go wrong because of something completely out of your control, like a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. And what do you what do you say to young women who are part of part of future for us, part of your community, who are like, I really want to start my own business. I have something to bring. I have a voice. I I have something to say, but yet I'm afraid because of how, you know, I, I don't have my, a safety net in place. What do you say to them? Just do it. I say jump and just do it. You know, um, for me, myself, I mean, it's easy for me to say, right. I am, I'm going to be, it would be irresponsible for me to just say, go do it. I, but I, I want folks to know the context for myself is that I do not have any you know, dependence, you know, um, I know that I have a, you know, no matter what happens to me, I have, I, I have family to fly back home to. So I, I don't want folks to think that I'm saying just do it. I, I know the privilege that I have and old um, because I don't have any responsibilities in terms of like taking care of other folks. And, um, you know, for me, my safety net is I can fly back home to Hawaii and sell mangoes in the back of my truck. <laughs> I don't know. Like to me, um, like my, my biggest thing is that because I think what I want a lot of women to know who are thinking about entrepreneurship is that, you know, what are you, what do you want out of life? You know, what is your values? Because for me, um, I did not want to wake up in my sixties, my seventies and think, wow, what if I did not want to have regret? Like that's the, I do not want to regret my life, you know? And so I know that 
hey, I have this talent, I have this skill skill set, I have this passion. Um, just do it, you know. Um, I also, I'm, if anybody's into horoscopes, I'm an Aries, and I'm just a born leader, a born risk taker. I've always taken risks my entire life, um, and I have to thank my um, my fifth grade uh, teacher, Miss Tom because I was running for student council in fifth grade and I was running for secretary. And she looked at me, she's like, why are you running for secretary when you can run for president? And I won that race, but that was like my first time where I really, somebody saw something in me. (laughs) Yeah, shout out to Miss Tom um, from Puuahale (laughs) Elementary School. Um, And you know, she looked at me- It is so important though, those people. Yeah, I'm sure those people who believe in you maybe before you believe in yourself and because you respect them, you're like, oh, Maybe, maybe actually I could do that. And, and you know, they <laughs> exactly. say, they say women need that, that kind of encouragement. I mean, women who run for elected office, apparently it's like they need to be told by seven different people, you know, at different times you have a run before they're like, yeah, maybe actually I could do it, you know? So let me ask you this. What is next for you? What is next? Yeah. So what I'm re- really excited to announce is that we are going to be launching future for us 2.0 in fall this year. So fall 2021. Um, this is going to be a brand new website platform. It'll be a website that um, will be specifically a career resource center. So our platform will be one part, uh, you know, digital uh, videos and, and content specific to what career um, point, what, what career level you're at. So whether entry level, mid-career or, or VP or director level, and it'll be custom content for you, uh, but also job listings. Uh, resources, a directory of women of color career coaches, and also, um, you know, any other uh, executive coaching. Um, So it'd be a custom website dedicated for women of color professionals. Um, And yeah, you know, our our main job is to help women to really get to the next level within their careers, but also connect them to jobs, high paying jobs. And um, that is what's going to launch in this fall. I'm really excited. Um, We're going to have a brand new name. Uh, and we're going to have a brand new style, brand new website. So we're really exci- excited to um, use technology um, to be a one-stop shop for women of color leaders who really um, are looking for not only resources, connections, but community as well. And so we're really excited to uh, get that kicked off uh, later this year. Fantastic. All right. Last question. What is your power and how do you use it to empower? My power is connection. As a native Hawaiian, um, you know, our tradition, our values, our spirit is always to be connected to folks. Um, I make people feel comfortable and belong. You know, when we're talking about diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging is that, you know, not many people have that superpower to make people feel like they belong um, and that they matter and they're valued, they're seen and they're heard. And that's what my leadership brings to the table. But it's also that what's future for us brings to the table, Um, not only as women of color feel like they're connected to us, but our allies feel connected to us because it truly is a platform that brings all of us together to move one group forward, which is women of color. And so that is my superpower. And that's how I um, use it to the um, my best abilities. Wonderful. It was so great to spend all this time with you. Thank you so much for being so generous and sharing so many of your insights. I can't imagine anyone who wouldn't walk away from listening to this deeply inspired and wanting to go for it. So thank you so much, Sage. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this special edition of the Vital Voices podcast. 
If you'd like to support our work with women leaders who use their power to empower others, you can donate to Vital Voices on our website at vitalvoices.org, or you can text VITAL to 41444. That's VITAL to 41444. See you next week.